Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to a special Gamescom preview edition of the Pocket Link podcast. I'm Rick Henderson and joining me for most of this coming half hour will be Pocket Link contributing editor Max Freeman-Mills. He'll be heading to the show itself, so will help me look forward to the biggest games and accessories we both expect to launch in Cologne. In addition, I'll be chatting with Sony marketing manager Mike Somerset about its own foray into PC gaming, and specifically the launch of the brand's first headset and monitor range, InZone. But first, back to Max and the forthcoming Gamescom. Now Max, this will be the first in-person show for a few years, with the last couple cancelled due to the pandemic. What are you expecting from the event? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a very interesting one. Gaming has been quite tentative in terms of getting its big events back in person. So this is really the first big, big conference that we've had in a long time. Um, And I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, very much looking forward to getting to Cologne. Um, I think on the game side, it's a bit of an interesting one, as you said, because there are, in fairness, a few quite big names that are not going to be at the show, which you would normally expect to be present. The likes of Nintendo and PlayStation have both stepped away this year. But Equally, there are some really big names that are very much going to be present. Uh, You know, Xbox will be there. Ubisoft will be there. There's quite a few big studios that are going to be showing up and showing off what they've got. Um, I'm really looking forward to exploring the Xbox booth. Um, It's been a long time since Xbox has had a chance to show off its wares in person like this. I'm really looking forward to, for example, um, a Plague Tale Requiem that they've confirmed was going to be playable on the floor for people to drop by and, and have a go with. Uh, the first game, uh, Plague Tale Innocence, is a few years old now, but is a, is a really excellent sort of stealth action game, a bit like a, a slightly lower budget version of The Last of Us, uh, but just as kind of nail-biting and tense at various points um, with a fun kind of uh, period setting uh, around the, the Black Death. So as much as that sounds cheery, I'm nonetheless looking forward to trying out the sequel, which looks gorgeous from the trailers they've shown off so far. Um, interestingly, Xbox isn't going crazy hard on its first party titles. I think we've noticed that, you know, some of the games it has announced in recent years, things like the Fable reboot, for example, are still a little way off being sort of in a shape where they can really show them to people and let people get hands on. Um, but nonetheless, there's quite an interesting bevy of, of third party, smaller indie titles that I think, uh, I'll look forward to getting my hands on if I have the time, because Lord knows one of the things that these shows is that you do start to run out of time as you try and get around. <laughs> Indeed. Gamescom is uh, it's, it's quite a unique show, actually, in the calendar um, because it is part trade show for um, press and trade visitors, but also part public. And the public side of it is massive. It, it, um, having been there myself a few times, the halls are enormous and there are many of them. And they are all sort of dedicated to the public, generally dressed in cosplay. Um, so it's quite a it's quite a festival of gaming for those. Whereas um, for the press and the trade side, they get to see games that maybe the public haven't seen yet, or maybe games that aren't even out until late next year. So it's a it's an interesting show for sure. It's also well timed because if you think about it, E three 
which wasn't on this year, but will be coming back next year. That's in the summer. So very, very few of the games that you see at E3 are playable because they aren't going to be coming out for a very long time. Whereas at Gamescom, a lot of the games that are there are coming out this year. They're coming out this Christmas. So a lot of them will be hands-on. So you'll get to actually play quite a few games. Um, The one thing that I have noticed, though, uh, Max, and I wonder if you've also noticed this, is because it's like um, almost um, dipping its toe back into the waters of a big trade show, um, there does seem to be quite a few absences in bigger companies, don't there? Yeah, that's right. I mean, obviously, in in an ideal world, you would want PlayStation and Nintendo certainly there to, to round out the big three companies. Um, especially in a year where Nintendo really is re- releasing sort of big game after big game. So it's got a lot in its pipeline, but um, a lot of that stuff is is not going to be something that we'll get our hands on, hands on hit at, at the show anyway. Um, but as you say, I think this, it's an interesting one because it opens up the chance for some of the smaller developers and smaller publishers, some of which frankly are not that small anymore <laughs> when you talk about the number of acquisitions going on at the moment. Um, but it opens up a chance for them to get a little bit more airtime without those sort of huge mega publishers there to kind of suck everyone in the entire time. Um, but as you say, also, when it comes to the games coming out this year, it, it's a great point because there's an, there's some interesting big titles that in a normal year, because although we're well past the pandemic in some ways, you know, still, as you say, in spring and summer, we were not business as usual yet. There are some really big games that people just haven't really had a chance to play. Sonic Frontiers, for example, which has kind of got a little bit of criticism coming its way based on the visual style that it's shown off in its trailers. A few people have had hands-on with that, but by and large, very few people have. That's going to be at Gamescom. So it's going to be a really interesting opportunity to see something that is meant to come out before the end of 2022, but which almost no one has had hands-on time with yet, and see, you know, is this actually the kind of potential disaster that people are worried about? Or is it, you know, a solid game that's just maybe not had quite the polished trailers it needed? Um, so that's one I'm going to look forward to sinking my teeth into if I can. Um, and then on the indie front, I know, for example, if anyone's ever played the game Subnautica, it's on Xbox, or it was for a long time on Xbox Game Pass. It's a kind of creepy sub, uh, well, subnautical game where you uh, explore massive aquatic areas. The developer, the developers of that game uh, have got a new project, completely unannounced, but they've confirmed that whatever it is, it's going to be at Gamescom. And I think it may also be playable. So it's a good chance for some of those smaller names to kind of show off what they've been working on for the last three to five years. Um, while COVID has obviously disrupted things hugely, but nonetheless also meant that quite a lot of stuff has kept pretty secret as a result, because there just haven't been the opportunities to let people in and, sh- and show them off. Um, later in the show, we'll actually come back and talk about a few more of the um, titles that you might actually see, plus some of the hardware that might actually be at Gamescom. But um I'd also like to quickly touch upon um, Opening Night Live because that has been something that has kept Gamescom kind of running over the last few years because without a show, the Opening Night Live has been the only thing to do with Gamescom, really. Um, And it is um, Jeff Keighley's um, massive showcase event whereby he races through a load of games, basically game trailers, that um, normally might not have got their own keynote address. So they, he even patches it, packages them all together in a two-hour special. What is interesting again this year is it will be the first opening night live in a long time that will actually have an audience, and he's promising thousands of audience members. 
Um, do you think that will make a massive difference? So will there certainly be a lot more whooping and a hollering? Yeah, I'm sure we can expect some nice over-the-top reactions to trailers if uh, if series fans are in the house. <laughs> but, but as you say, it's a it's a kind of a return to the the community feeling that has been sadly missing for quite a long time. And I mean, if if all that Jeff Keighley did now was the Summer Games show, Summer Games Fest rather, you'd think that'd be enough in terms of the outsized influence he has on gaming media. Yeah. But to also be in charge of effectively the the big sort of curtain raiser for for gamescom really and the game awards of course and the game awards as well i mean he's he's just a giant in the industry at this point um and 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 seemingly very well liked which is which is lovely but yeah no i think it should be a really interesting show and as you say i believe actually fans can get tickets now i don't know how easy that process will be whether they're going to be scarce but um he has tweeted that people can get tickets now so if if you're in the area worth checking yeah there's only a few days left to go to gamescom and Apparently there are some still some tickets still available. So if you're in the Colon area, then uh, do do look it up. It's genuinely I I, I don't know what to expect. Um, having been to um, I don't think I've been to an opening like life or at any major event at uh, Gamescom for a long time. In fact, Xbox was the last one I think to actually do a press conference, and that was a that was a fair few years ago. But the um, but I had been to a lot of E3 ones. And the one thing I will um, note that you have to hope that you're not sitting directly in front of a marketing person from one of the companies being mentioned, because quite frankly, you might lose an eardrum or two. Yeah, legally enforced (laughs) cheering is a classic. (laughs) It can get quite deafening at times, but it does raise that that thing that we we have been we've been missing for the last few years. You and I have been covering um, opening night live and the other events over the last couple of years and it's not quite the same when you're sat sat covering it whilst watching youtube is it no not at all i mean you, you know you get a small taste of the the reaction side of things if you're frantically refreshing twitter while also trying to write a news story about whatever has just been announced but as you say being in the room and really getting that immediate read on how people are reacting to something is quite hard to replace and it's it's great that it's back and hopefully it goes from strength to strength here <laughs> Max will be back with more games he hopes to see at Gamescom later, as well as some of the hardware that should be there. First though, Sony recently expanded into gaming beyond its PlayStation brand through the launch of a new range of headsets and monitors under the Sony InZone line. I recently caught up with the company's marketing manager Mike Somerset to talk about the timing of the move and what Sony's audio department can bring to the table when it comes to dedicated gaming devices. I started by asking him why Sony has decided to enter the peripherals market separate to PlayStation. Yeah, well, I mean, I think many people would immediately associate, quite rightly, immediately associate Sony with PlayStation and therefore also quite rightly uh, assume that the headphones were really designed for PlayStation and being perfect for PlayStation. What we've got here within Zone is actually a little bit different. So... What you know, obviously, Sony's got an incredible history with music and obviously with gaming through PlayStation. But what we're doing here is really aiming something, yes, for PlayStation players, but also and actually significantly for PC gamers. And and I think that's a really important point. I mean, there are certainly some features of these headphones that you would probably agree are really all about PC gaming. So it's 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 partly that it's to sort of distinguish. We know about PlayStation. 
also many people know about Sony Music and, and our history in that sense. And what we're doing here is really creating a product that is perfect for PlayStation, but also really focused on the PC gamer. Well, coming from a Sony angle, what technologies and innovations can Sony bring to gaming headsets and monitors that perhaps aren't that common? Sure. Well, that's a, that's a good question. So in terms of gaming, it's it's largely about what do you as the gamer want to get out of it. So if this is about competitive gaming, then actually that's really what InZone is focused on. It's about tuning the products to enable the gamer to to do better, to win. And that's actually what both the monitor and one of the things the monitor and the headphone have in in um, in common. So in terms of headphones, uh, there's a big focus on spatial sound. And what's the benefit of this? It's, it means that, I mean, for any game benefits from spatial sound, but specifically if you look at games like third-person shooters, first-person shooters, which are wildly popular at the moment, being able to precisely locate where the enemy is or where your you know the the good guys are by sound and i i don't just mean slightly to the left slightly to the right i mean exactly how far it is away from you uh, on the battlefield or wherever you may be is hugely beneficial so actually in zone brings an incredible level of detail not just in terms of immersing you in it and having exciting feeling of you know the explosions are real and you know all that kind of thing but it actually gives you an edge it gives you a benefit so that's really the key focus there are some other things as well that we bring in and and remember that uh sony is drawing on many decades of experience from high quality award-winning music headphones and we're taking a lot of that but optimizing it for gaming and what that means is we're very proud of the sound quality itself so not just the 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 the, the level of uh, precision in terms of spatial sound but the sound quality the the bass response and, and and the speed at which it interacts with the game is is all very um very good we've all, always been big fans of the wh 1000 series at um at pocket lint it's won many of our awards etc um and one of the things that we think it always gets right is noise cancellation, and that has been translated into the um, certainly the H9. And that's right. Yeah. Um, how necessary is noise cancellation for gamers at, at that yeah. level? That, well, that's a good question. Uh, it, it, I would actually take that a bit further and say there's two things here we're talking about. We're talking about noise cancellation, but we're also talking about ambient mode. Now, first of all, noise cancellation um, – the benefit here, of course, is all about focusing in on the game. You know, if you want to just immerse yourself to just be more, you know, to enjoy it that little bit more, or if those crucial little details, those little, you know, leaves rustling in the distance, the sound of an enemy reloading their gun on the other side of the wall, if all of that is important to you in the gameplay, noise cancelling is perfect. I mean, especially PC gamers will recognise what I'm talking about here, but if you're running a a high-end PC, laptop, stack, whatever it is you've got, there are some whirring fans. They make a lot of noise. And noise cancelling is ideal to just remove that. Uh, you know, whether you've got noisy neighbours, you know, there's a road nearby, people are mowing the lawn in the garden, actually being able to isolate the game from the rest of the world and simply focus on that is brilliant. And I think many gamers will really appreciate why that is good. The reason I mention ambient mode is, is it's, it's a whole nother level, which I think is also important if you're using headphones while gaming. Ambient mode uses the microphones on the headset to hear what's going on around you uh, more so than if you didn't have that feature, which basically means, let's say you're playing on the game, 
I don't know, you're waiting for a delivery uh, and you don't want to miss it, you know, ambient mode is perfect. You'll be able to hear when someone rings on the door. For me, I'm a dad of two two little kids and I play my game at night. Uh, I use my headphones, but I leave ambient mode on because if my kids wake up and I hear them sort of crying out, if I'm blocked off from the world, I can't hear them. You know, So there's lots of reasons why either you'd want to block the world out so you can focus on the game or you want to open the world up and and stay connected to what's going on around you so that you don't miss something that you may be waiting for so actually i think there's a really important feature a really exciting feature to have on the h9 uh, and, and compared to a what we would sort of say passive um, noise isolation type headphone which means headphones that simply block out the external noise simply by uh, by blocking it not doing any additional um, technology I think it's a real benefit to have something like the H9, which can record the sound around you, cancel it out, or play it back to you. The in-zone headsets and monitors combine cleverly when using conjunction with each other as well. So especially when connected to a PC, is that something the brand will explore further in future with other accessories? Well, this is a really nice thing. I, th- I think uh, one of the questions we initially got about this was, you know, how, how are they working together? You know, what, what is the benefit of a monitor and the headphone? And of course, like we're talking about the, the, what you're seeing and what you're hearing, the two key sensitive. What we've got here is uh, a, a unified software. It's called InZone Hub, which when you have it connected to your PC, InZone Hub, you can control the settings, the configuration of your monitor. And in the same software, can control the settings and configuration of your headset. Now, obviously that's nice just from a convenience point of view, but also what you can do is introduce profiles through this. So let's say you have a profile for a specific game that you're playing. Uh, If you click on that profile, it will adjust your headset according to that, plus adjust your monitor in one simple selection so it makes it much easier for a, for a customer or a user a gamer to to be able to jump straight into the game and jump between games through it so i i mean I, yeah i think this sort of synergy between the products is is hugely important and it's also becoming more expected from uh from gamers and from customers you don't feel like you should be jumping from one piece of software to another piece of software to configure something else to get something else working you really want to bring it all together in one single place um the hate all the um the headsets have um stat uh built-in boom mics was there a temptation to also have one that didn't have a built-in boom mic so you, you could use it as a conventional headset as well when commuting for example the the great thing about so i a lot of people have asked me about yeah the, the boom mic um and why we've done what we've done, what are the benefits, et cetera. So the thing to remember about our boom mic and the way we've implemented it is it's the easiest, quickest way to activate, deactivate without taking your hands off your controller or your keyboard and mouse for for more than a split second. So basically each of the mic has a, each headset has a mic, a boom mic, which flips down. Once it's down, it's activated. Just simply flicking it up, it deactivates the mic. So you're, it's, you can very quickly jump, jump between the two. This really is the most convenient way to quickly jump through. Remember, these are optimized and designed specifically for gamers. Um, of course, if someone wanted to wear these around elsewhere, then, then they would be able to do so. But these, these headsets have been designed for gamers. So actually, 
what's the best, most convenient way to allow someone to activate, deactivate and position a, a mic appropriately. We believe this is the best way to do it. And, and it gives the, the user the most flexibility. In terms of visual design, the InZone products do look similar to PlayStation 5, They're white with black elements. Is that intentional or is it kind of just a, a, a mood that's going on in that area of the market right now? I think it's important to have like a, a unified design theme across a number of these uh, gaming products. And, and actually we get have had lots and lots of positive feedback about it. When I first saw the design myself, I was really excited because most headsets have a kind of conventional um, kind of often black, often sort of sharp edged. And, and they all, I mean, some of them, you know, look, look, look nice, but they're all very, there's a lot of similar styles. This was quite different. And obviously the link through to PlayStation, the matching with the monitor, uh, I was excited by it. I always get a bit nervous because you never know how people are going to react to, to new looks, but it's been overwhelmingly positive. We, you know, many people say they much prefer this aesthetic. So I, I, you know, I think it's, it's important. It stands out from the crowd. It unifies a whole bunch of uh, products that work really well together as well. So, so it's not just about style. It, it also kind of gives you an indication that they work well. And uh, finally, um, what can we expect from the future of the InZone range? Now, obviously, InZone's a brand new brand. It's um, something that thing. So I wouldn't imagine this is the end of it. But is would, say, for example, the InZone brand or could the InZone brand look to further afield, look at other kinds of accessories? So InZone at the moment, the key thing that is behind InZone is this tune to win. It's all about enjoying games, but actually being able to give you a specific advantage in gaming. I mean, with the headsets, something that we haven't really, um, we we haven't spoken about yet is is the spatial sound bespoke hearing profiles that you can get with the headset, which basically means everyone's ears are a little bit different. That means everyone hears or or, or their brains uh, understand direction of sound slightly different to each other because of the shape of everyone's ears. Sony in-zone headsets will allow customers to take photos of their ears and being able to make a a hearing profile specific for that person. So as you can see, with features like that and and the the different things we've introduced on the the, uh, monitor, in-zone is all about giving a competitive advantage to win. That really is our focus at the moment. I mean, as to what the next thing is, I, I, you know, I really, I can't say at the moment, like you say, it's very, very new. But what we want to be able to do is get these products out to customers who really want to, you know, enjoy the gaming more, but also take them, take their gaming to the next level. Um, so that's really what in-zone gaming is about for the time being. Um, actually, uh, that springs up one last thing is that, do you think that the in-zone range might actually even... Um, prompt new ideas for other ranges in Sony. Um, for example, the way that um, certain microphone technologies work on the WH series going forward, etc. Um, obviously, the InZone headsets have benefited greatly from uh, Sony's heritage in music. So, could the music side of things, the headphone side of the things, benefit from the InZone side? I th- you're you're absolutely right about the gaming headsets really have drawn a lot from um, from our experience, and that's not just about in terms of the drivers that used to drive the uh, the, the, the 
the sound uh, or the uh, dual microphones that, as you mentioned earlier on, are also used in our 1000X series headphones to cancel out noise. Yeah, they, they, they share a lot of technologies. Obviously, do, do bear in mind the InZone headset is all optimized specifically for gaming. Um, and, you know, the, the, these technologies do go around. I, I, again, I, I wouldn't be able to comment as to if that is specifically going to happen. But of course, what we do see is a really exciting new line coming out from Sony with this in-zone headsets. We'll just, we'll just have to see which, you know, where that goes and what new things are introduced. Um, but, you know, there's certainly, there's always going to be a synergy between our music headphones and our gaming headsets, you know, and, and the products that we, we create. Now back to Max and Gamescom. So, Max, are there any other games that have particularly piqued your interests? Yeah, so there are, there are quite a few. We're all looking forward to finding out a little bit more, I think, about Hogwarts Legacy, which uh, we are pretty sure believe we know is going to be um, shown off extensively at the um, show. We've seen actually a, a small amount of gameplay so far, but it's always nice to get kind of lengthier demos. So I'm, I'm hoping that we might be able to see someone, you know, play for more like... 20 or 25 minutes even uh, at one point and really see kind of what it's going to be like to live in, in that uh, in that world because um, that looks like a really ambitious RPG and I know there's countless fans around the world who've been waiting for a proper high budget um, Harry Potter game. Um, it's just been delayed into 2023 so it's no longer kind of massively imminent but at the same time you know we're only a few months away from 2023 and it's coming out right at the beginning of the year so I'd anticipate something around that. Um, similarly, we know Ubisoft is going to be at the show and Skull and Bones is one of the kind of great sagas of games over the last five to seven years. A great pirate saga. A great pirate saga, exactly. It's been rumoured forever uh, and uh, at one point, in fact at various points, presumed that it was just a dead project that Ubisoft was too ashamed well, to admit was gone. To give you an idea, I think I played my first demo of it at E3 2016. Yep, so it is... It is <laughs> It has been through so many different iterations and then sort of in classic modern style, relatively abruptly this summer, Ubisoft kind of takes the wraps off and says, hey, here's Skull and Bones. Here it is. We've we finally done it. <laughs> um, and it looks really interesting. It looks a little bit like a kind of the naval parts of an Assassin's Creed game, just basically chopped off and isolated. And that's the game, um, which could be amazing. Um, but we're all, you know, it'll just be interesting to see what the gameplay loop is really like, especially in a world where Sea of Thieves is already out there fulfilling the piratical needs of, of quite a lot of gamers. Um, so that's a really interesting one. Um, um, what, we... I, what I like about Skull and Bones is that you don't have to, that you can pilot a ship yourself rather than need four people to all help out. I've always struggled with the communication skills on Sea of Thieves. For sure, for sure. So I think Sea of Thieves is interesting because the people that love the game, I think, love specifically that fact that you have to work together, that someone's on the steering wheel, which is not the right term, but you know what I mean. Someone else is, is making sure the sails are trimmed and someone else is on anchor duty. But if you're feeling a little bit less involved and you also don't necessarily want to depend on three other people <laughs> to make sure that everything goes well, quite nice to be able to, to um, move your ship around and, and do what you want to do without that dependency on, on other people and on social features, unless you want them, um, which is always welcome, yeah. 
Um, but uh, we were also, we've been speculating about um, Warner Brothers and exactly what shape they're going to be um, in at the show. But if they are there and if there is a booth, we're really excited to see a bit more of Gotham Knights, which again oh, yeah. looks like it's building on the legacy of the uh, the Arkham games, the Batman Arkham games, in a, in a way that's pretty convincing from the trailers we've seen, which are pretty extensive. You know, more characters, more fighting styles, and visuals that once again just underline some it just looks it looks great it looks great from every angle um so i'm, I'm really hoping we see more of that because that's just a, sh a couple of short months away from release as well and as far as i know not many people have had their hands on that either i still um, don't know why quite why they moved away from the arkham universe though yeah whether whether they just felt that they told all the stories they, they wanted to or whether it's just a kind of see if we can establish a new brand i don't know but um certainly i think it's remarkable anytime you revisit uh, especially the second couple of Arkham games, just how well they hold up. I mean, especially yeah. on the visual front, you could really fool yourself into thinking that that Arkham Knight, for example, came out on modern hardware. It looks it looks astonishing. So I think um, there's some really good potential there. Um, and for horror fans, there's a there's an interesting game coming called the Callisto Protocol that we know is going to get a showcase as part of Opening Night Live, which looks frankly horrifying it's a, it's another space-bound um horror shooter that's taken clear inspiration and in fact created by one of the creators of dead space which itself is getting remade um and it looks again visually pretty pretty splendid just really detailed um but in that way where a horror game having a lot of detail can be pretty harrowing <laughs> so uh looking forward to seeing more of that as well which similarly comes out this year so there's there's a lot on the horizon and i think gamescom whether or not every game we've mentioned is there in playable form or whether it's just a new trailer it's definitely going to be a great opportunity to see more of these games um which i'm looking forward to very much yeah um we're also looking forward to um reading some of your stuff on any hardware that might be out there um for example, uh, I know that Turtle Beach are going to be there and they will have some new headphones. Now, um, PC headsets, I mean, uh, we've just had an interview with uh, Sony InZone. Um, mm. it's, it's growing so massively as a market. It's a, it's, um, a crazy, it's a crazy market. I mean, one of the things that's been really interesting, in my time at Pocketlin, I've, gone, I've been covering gaming headsets, especially on the console side, for pretty much the whole time I've been writing for Pocketlin. And... From just before the pandemic to now, the change in uh, in what these headset makers have been able to squeeze in is crazy. Two, two to two and a half years ago, when a new headset came out, if it had, for example, say 12 hours of battery life, that was pretty good. You know, that was a solid performance yeah. right in the middle of the market. Now you've got people like HyperX and Turtle Beach dropping headsets that have 80 to 120 hour battery lives like it's pretty much run of the mill that's that's the new normal in many cases and the the audio quality just keeps getting better and better the microphones are better than they ever have been and i think it's a real marker of you know this market is exploding for a reason people not just because of the pandemic but spurred on by it people are using headsets people have finally started to clock that games sound incredible when you're not listening to them through default tv speakers sort of 10 meters away from you um, and similarly, party chat is just so much more normalized, I think, for some people than it was a couple of years ago. Um, and as you say, there's most of the big peripheral makers are going to be at Gamescom in one form or another. And some of that stuff is interesting because, as you said, it's it's slightly less public facing and it's a bit more kind of letting the industry see what they've been up to. 
so it'd yeah. be really interesting to try some of these these headsets on see see what's different see what's new um yeah there's there's a lot to explore i'm sure it's nason is another one um which is obviously a big games publisher in its own right anyway but also has um all of its uh, i seem to remember i think it was it, it bought out the jabra range or was it the plantronics way it might have been, i think it was plantronics Plantronic. and, yeah. and, which is called rig in the yes, american that's market, the one I believe. that's but the yeah, one they, yeah, there's there's some really interesting. They've got a, a very kind of industrial looking design language um, that I think is, is still translating. And as you say, that some of these some of these companies just have huge ranges now because again, it's not a case of you know we've got one hero headset. I mean, Sony's interesting because it's starting to break into the more gamer side of that market, and and at the moment they're really premium. But the sense of these companies putting out headsets for basically every budget under the sun is is again just a, it's a really impressive uh, sort of slate of products that most of them now have whether you want a headset for for 25 pounds or whether actually you want the bees knees of audio uh, a sort of 300 plus range um and it's amazing the more you use them trust me the more you use them the more you're tempted by the the premium offerings i'm now you know sitting in front of my playstation 5 using a headset that costs two-thirds as much as the console and that feels (laughs) that feels somehow normal when it's distinctly not but my goodness does an immersive game take sort of five steps further when you give it the audio treatment it really deserves um i think we'll end with um something that you might not see there, but you would love to see there. Um, and I'll I'll kick it off, so it give you a little bit of time to think, because I've thrown that one at you, um, is I would love to see a pro style from whichever manufacturer PlayStation 5 controller, because um, I've already gone through about five PlayStation 5 controllers in the short time that it has been in existence yeah they are they're so scarce still i'm i'm dead lucky in that i i reviewed for us scuffs um yeah i'll very high-end controller but there's really only a couple of options and i think in fact uh, this summer there have been a little spate of uncorroborated rumors that sony itself is working on a playstation pro controller as it were you know basically a more durable controller with yeah patterns. which is i think it needs it's very yeah. it's necessary um i've um, i was chatting to someone at amazon recently and one of the products most returned and replaced in recent times is the playstation 5 DualSense. yeah it's almost um, as if with those cool. extra immersive yeah. features the durability took an even further hit um, yeah, that's the thing. Fantastic yeah. features, but unfortunately, the number of different things that can go wrong on that controller means that something goes wrong on that controller. Yes, yes, um, for sure. So how about yourself? Is there something, it's like a wish, one one product you would really wish to see? So right now, I will confess that I am still two and a half years in, chronically addicted to Call of Duty Warzone. And I have no reason to believe that Activision will suddenly rock up with a booth where I can get a little sneak preview. But if I could get, <laughs> if I could get a glimpse of what Warzone 2.0, which we know is arriving later this year, could look like, I would come back from Colm a, a very, very, very happy man. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, and as I say, that's on the forlorn end of the spectrum because I don't believe that's going to happen. They are playing their cards very close to their chest. Um, but I would be, I would be absolutely thrilled if I could get any info on that. 
And that's it for this week's special edition podcast. You'll be able to follow Max and the team's exploits during Gamescom on pocketlint.com all this coming week. For now, I hope you found this episode enjoyable. And if so, please leave a review on your listening platform of choice. I've been Rick Henderson, and I hope you'll join us for the next podcast where we'll have another packed lineup of guests and tech for you. Tatty bye. <laughs>